You are listening to Her Time to Retire, a podcast dedicated to helping women gain the knowledge, confidence, and support they need to achieve financial success and emotional fulfillment when planning for retirement. If you are ready to finally take charge of your financial life, then keep listening. Your hosts are Glenn Price and Jonathan Scott founders of Keystone Financial Resources in Brentwood, Tennessee. Both men specialize in crafting individualized retirement plans for women and have a passion for helping women discover and achieve their retirement goals. Glenn is a husband and father of four who was taught early in life through his relationship with his grandmother how a woman can not only take charge of her own destiny, but also positively influence the lives of her family and friends that surround her. Jonathan, husband and father of three, attributes his own success to the strong women in his life, including his wife Brooke and his mother Suzanne. Both men together want to help more women live out their dreams in retirement. As always, if you have retirement questions, their phone lines are open at 615-661-9554, or you can visit their website to browse information, view upcoming events, or subscribe to the Her Time to Retire weekly newsletter. Just visit www.keystonefinancialresources.com. Now relax and enjoy the conversation. Well, welcome to Her Retirement Podcast, where we help women learn how to take control of their finances and their destinies. I'm Jonathan Scott. I'm usually here with my business partner and longtime friend, Glenn Price, but he's out on vacation this week. So I'm hosting today solo, and we'll be talking with our expert guest, Kathy Johnson Werner, and we're going to learn all about taking care of a parent with memory loss. So thanks to everybody uh, that's out there. We're glad to have you today. And Kathy, tell us just a little bit about what you do. I'm a social worker with Senior Helpers, and we're a company that actually provides caregivers in all of the Middle Tennessee area, and we specialize in dementia. So when I talk about caregiving, I can talk about caregiving from a professional standpoint. I've been a social worker over 30 years, but also from a personal uh, standpoint. My father passed away from Alzheimer's type dementia, and my siblings and I helped care for him. And we're currently caring for our mom who has some memory issues as well. So this is a topic that I'm um, too familiar with, but very passionate about as well. Yeah, it's a topic that a lot of ladies are familiar with. Yes. Uh, we, um, you know, we see a great deal of it over time. You know, when we're talking to women in financial planning, when we're talking to them, uh, families and couples, about having a plan for long-term care, you know, so oftentimes, you know, one of their first thoughts uh, is that one or the other spouse is going to take care of the other through old age. And the reality that we see is not that at all. You know, by the time they're at that age of needing to become that caretaker, one or the other isn't in good enough health to perform that act and they didn't have the plan in advance. Or if they do try to take care of each other at that age, it quickly uh, puts them in a state of yes. bad health. And, um, and we see that yeah, more times than not if, if a plan is not constructed early on. Exactly. And so, you know, so important. But tell us your perspective just, um, you know, in the workplace, uh, outside of your personal life. Uh, what do you see along those lines? Well, the model that you're describing is the model of the past. So a couple of things have changed that has 
people really have to adjust to change their plans for the future. Because, you know, years ago, people had large families, and families stayed near each other, and caregiving became a, a family job. So there was always uh, uh, one of your adult children or a grandchild or someone available, and a lot of times in the past, even on the same piece of property, right. or at least in the same town, so that's been one huge change. The average adult child, on average, lives over 200 miles from their parent now. Wow. As we've become more of a society with in transition, right. that we don't, you know, stay right. on the family farms or in the same towns anymore. And the other thing we've seen, well, I'm going to add two more things we've seen is that we live about 10 years longer than we used to live. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about a spouse caring for a spouse, in the past when we were talking about 60 or 70-year-olds caring for each other, that's a different story because that's as a caregiving company to have someone in their 60s or 70s that needs care that's a very young client. Right. So it is what you described. We have people who are now, we're in our 80s and 90s, right. and that spouse doesn't have the strength to provide the care that they would have had before. Exactly. I mean, this this entire uh, interview stemmed from the fact that these are some of the unique situations mm-hmm. that really women are experiencing uniquely for men. Mm-hmm. One in that they are living so much longer. Right. And, um, you know, just as an average, uh, women outlive the gentleman. And then you've got the issue that so many times the averages, again, were in a married couple. Typically, it was the man that was older than the lady in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so you've got this situation where, you know, she's got quite a bit of life ahead of her a lot of times when she's faced with this possible caregiving if there right. wasn't a plan put into place and we we um, we're still looking at the uh, averages and again mentioning it over and over again that right now 80 percent of men die married mm-hmm. but 80 percent of women die single yes and so it's it's really created this urgent need mm-hmm. to create these plans early on now as far as differences, between women and men in the caretaker realm. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that, because I know that oftentimes the woman is faced with not only possibly being a caretaker of maybe her mom and dad, but sometimes of a spouse's parents as well, as well as the spouse. Do you see that? Yes, and uh, my sister and I joke and say people talk about the sandwich generation, but Mm -hmm. you really need to think more in terms of like the club sandwich, (laughs) multiple layers, because we work with a lot of women who are caring for, we've had women who are caring for their spouse and a parent, or a spouse and an Mm in-law, or an adult child with disabilities. So the role of caregiving for women can be splintered in a lot of different directions. Um, and it is usually, it's actually caregiving right now is being called one of the new um, female issues because uh-huh. approximately one in three females are caregiving in some capacity. Wow. So, one in three. Yeah, one in three. Man. And it affects every area of life. Mm-hmm. Um, something you had mentioned about the differences, and I think you had mentioned husbands and wives and caregiving. So we normally see uh, the oldest daughter 
of the family becomes the primary contact usually when caregiving is involved. Even if the wife is providing the caregiving, if it's an older couple, the oldest daughter will be the pivotal person there who is usually trying to get mom to have some assistance or is mom's backup. Now, are those daughters sometimes still working? Usually, Usually. still working. Okay. So, um, still working and dealing with their own spouses, adult children, trying to help with grandchildren, and manage mom and dad and in-laws. Yeah, I had a client a a few months ago, and when I asked her about, hey, have you planned any towards long-term care? And she said, we've got a wonderful plan in place. I said, tell me what it is. She says, well, my daughter has become a nurse mm-hmm. and gone to school, and she's nursing now, and she's agreed that when the time comes, she's going to take care of it. So that's wonderful, just one issue. Why did she become a nurse in the first place? Well, they needed the second income in the family. And I said, yes, ma'am. And oftentimes they still do when the care needs to be provided. Exactly. And it's not a part-time job, is it? It is not a part-time job. And as I've shared, I I assist with caregiving my mom now. And even if you're not on the job, it's always in the back of your head. So every caregiver is faced with every time the phone rings or a text comes through, there's a chance your day's about to change. So it's a constant role that you're in. You don't get to clock in and out. How does that affect you mentally? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I think for all caregivers, um, you really need to give yourself grace. And um, the word that I always like to give families is take the term grief, because our society only wants to use grief for death. But if you're dealing with someone that's experiencing memory loss or or a long-term chronic illness, you're grieving the loss of that person for years You're grieving the loss of your own freedom, the loss of your own life, the loss of time with your family, with your children, with your grandchildren, and recognize that grief entitles a lot or entails a lot of feelings. So people will feel very guilty easily, angry, frustrated, and then feel, feel guilty for being angry, right? So just recognizing that um, there's a grief process and recognizing that caregiving is exhausting on every level. So physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it can always, uh, I'm a very visual person, so I always picture like, you know, the the maple trees with the taps (laughs) that you get to the point you're like, I'm just tapped out. There's nothing left to give. Well, I'll just share quickly what I saw. My grandfather, uh, my mother's father, died at age 97. Mm -hmm. Now, my grandmother died years earlier but after eight years as an Alzheimer's patient, him trying to be the caretaker for a long Mm -hmm. time, which took years off of his life, but he reached a capacity where it wasn't possible anymore. But they came from this old mindset, this old school thought process where they Mm -hmm. said, you know, the one thing I don't ever want to do is go into a home. That's, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to have any type of nursing care. You know, that's the one thing right. we don't want to do. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the changes there because I want to mm-hmm. tell you what we saw in our personal life and then have you reflect on it from a professional standpoint. And Kathy's not only been a, a caregiver, but a social worker for 30 years. Mm-hmm. But 
what we saw was my grandfather in his 90s reached a point where my mother was trying to take care of him. She still had to be working mm -hmm. as well. Sure. And uh, he was having to go pretty often uh, for different items and issues to the hospital. Uh -huh. and uh, not just to the doctor's office, but right. some of them emergency situations, but still in relatively decent health until he mm -hmm. would go through periods of time when he needed extended care. Mm -hmm. And being a veteran, he was able to go into the veteran's facility there at the VA that actually uh, was able to provide 24-hour care. Okay. Now, in the beginning, and he still had all these cognitive abilities right to the end, but he would say, you know, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to be in a home or mm -hmm. such and such and so on. Well, he went over and visited, and it ended up that they had a lot of things in place to facilitate who he was and what he liked to do. Right. So he liked to fish, he liked mm -hmm. to bowl, and he liked to garden. Mm -hmm. Well, by week two of my grandfather being there, um, he had a nurse that he just absolutely was in love with. Mm -hmm. He had um, opportunity. Uh, they took him fishing once a week. Uh -huh. uh, he got to bowl, which he's an avid bowler. Mm -hmm. And they set him up a spot, which has actually become a, a program at that uh, VA now, where he could have a small garden and oh, work in the garden in a garden mm -hmm. spot. So ends up, he described it as he actually absolutely loved where he was and who was taking care right. of him and what was doing and had he known it was possible for mm -hmm. it to be that environment early on uh, he, he would have done it sooner Absolutely. and so it's not yeah. always that environment but that environment mm -hmm. is available isn't it it is and I think we see uh, two things I want to address you're talking about the spouse just or the caregiver feeling the wear and tear. Yes. As a company, it's not unusual for us to get a crisis call where someone's calling senior helpers saying, Dad has always taken care of Mom, or vice versa, but now they've had a stroke or they've had a heart attack. And a lot of people aren't aware of the strain, the physical strain that people actually develop health issues that they may not be aware of from the stress of caregiving. Do you ever see the caregiver pass before the patient? more times than people are aware. It's a, it's, it's a common story. So I lead a caregiver support group, and I think of one of my ladies who never sleeps because her husband has dementia, and she'll say, well, I'll sleep off and on, but I always know if the door opens. You know, so we just talk about that wear and tear if you never have a full night's sleep, if you're constantly, if you think in terms of having a very, and not to ever be demeaning or, um, talk like an adult is a child but if you raise children and you think about that toddler phase where my eyes always have to be on that person or they could be getting injured or getting into something right. that a lot of times with memory loss family members are living at that same high level of alert mm -hmm. but now they're 80 years old and their body is not able to handle the stress so we'll have crisis calls that mom's been hospitalized or dad's had a heart attack and it's the stress of caregiving. Um, and then we'll have those cases where families will say, I always encourage families, it's like, never promise what you will do or not do because there's no cookie cutter situation. Mm -hmm. Because we have the same type stories, like your grandfather, your 
the family had always said, we just don't place people. We don't call in help. Right. We don't. Right. There's a mentality of we take care of our own. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have those situations where people feel guilty mm-hmm. to reach out or feel guilty that they're not able to um, provide everything that's needed. And, you know, when you say it out loud, you recognize it. It's like, of course, no one can do everything that's needed. But that's very common. So that guilt is not well-founded. No, no. What I always tell caregivers, I'm like, hey, I've worked with families. I've worked with people who have no one that will even show up for a discharge meeting. No one that will be involved in the care. If you're still involved in the care and helping make decisions and caring what happens to this person... You're a good caregiver. Mm-hmm. If you're caregiving to the best of your ability, you're a good caregiver. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times people aren't familiar with the resources that are available. So when you share the story about your grandfather, I'm sure there's people listening who I had no idea something like that right. existed. So the senior helpers in Middle Tennessee, we we have four offices, but two owners. So we're all sisters. We're all sister companies. And we all have care managers on site because even if a family decides they don't want in-home care or one-to-one additional care in a facility, we're still able to serve as a referral source to connect families to say, hey, maybe we're not what you're looking for, but there's great assisted livings or this skilled for therapy or this long-term care. And then working with them too and using you guys as a resource to say, it's time to start looking at some financial planning to say how to make how you right. can make these things happen. That's right. But it's important to educate yourself to know what f- is available, what the cost is, and how to plan for that. Mm-hmm. So that's where we really like to partner with other agencies in the community. Yes, yes. So that's uh, that's really the crux of it is, um, you know, a lot of guilt uh, can mm-hmm. be avoided. A lot sure. of shame can be avoided if early on uh, people inside their financial planning would go ahead and develop some plans towards how to take care of the long-term care. Then they're able to use resources like senior helpers that you're a part of, Kathy, and they're able to get the very best level of care and actually design that care plan around the things that they like to do. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> avoid that crisis for your right. children. Because as a mother, I hope my children are much older when when so when it's you know I hope right. I'm much older when it's my turn right. to a different level of care is needed but I think in terms of no matter how old I am or they are they're still my children and I want to be able to make things easier for them because we get so many adult children in crisis because mom and dad never told them what they wanted. Right Now mom and dad might not be able to say what they wanted. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything about mom and dad's finances. They don't know what not only what's available in the community, they don't know what's available, what their parents wanted, or if their parents are able to pay for what they might want for them. Right. So doing that planning in advance, I really... And again, very visual. It's like handing someone a beautifully wrapped present. That's right. That it's like, here's the present to our children and grandchildren. They don't have to be in a crisis. We've made the plan. Yeah. You know, when I'm talking to people and we're um, talking about their goals and things as Mm -hmm. they're planning for retirement, they're always like, you know, I never want to be a burden on my children. I don't want to be a burden on my children. That's a very common response. The reality is it is like a a well-wrapped present. Mm -hmm for your children to actually sit down and and have a plan that, hey, 
we've set aside some funds. We've actually begun begin planning for this, mm-hmm. and we know exactly you know what level of care we'd like to have. And here's where you would play into that, and here's where some other structure and resources would play into that, and 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 have those open conversations mm-hmm. ahead of time. And then nobody's shocked. Nobody yeah, has it, all that guilt. It really right. can look uh, very nice, Kat. It can. Mm-hmm. It can. So uh, that's what we want to share uh, out there with you ladies that are that are listening and tuning in today is, you know, if, if your parents are able to uh, speak about the matters and in good health, it's a great time to go to them and begin planning and begin working with them on what this will look like mm-hmm. and getting them involved if they need be with some other resources. Right. And then on your own planning, uh, this is a time to know that, hey, as a part of my financial plan, if I'm leaving long-term care or extended health care out of the scenario, I'm leaving a great big, huge uh, part of my plan unattended. Right. And right. so that's not prudent at all. Well, I just want to real quickly here, because I know that it is different. Um, we had a conversation previously, uh, n- not necessarily wrong or right, just differences in people. And, you know, we, we look at uh, ladies as so much more nurturing mm-hmm. and knowing what to do. And a lot of times the guys... Um, they literally, they don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what to do. Tell me a little bit of the differences between what you see on a personal standpoint Mm -hmm. uh, to the ladies that are listening out there. What are the differences that you see in women's attitudes towards the caretaking versus the men's? Because you see it every day in reality. I do. Uh, Women usually do not reach out for extra help until there's crisis. Really? Because there, as um, a lot of times women have been caregivers for maybe since the time they were raising their own children, and maybe they've already been a a mother, a grandmother, and maybe even a great-grandmother, and uh, the term I've heard so many times or the statement is, he's my husband, I'm the one who will take care of him. So women seem to normally have more of the attitude of, I will provide the care, and um, will do more personal care. So I usually have it, well, not usually, I experience women being uh, quicker to agree to be a caregiver mm-hmm. and doing every level of care. And I don't want to like sound like I'm male bashing because we could look at men and say maybe men are better at doing self-care. Right. Because when I work with husbands who are going to have to start doing care for their wife, especially personal care, Mm -hmm. they will reach out much earlier. So you had mentioned memory loss. Yes. I'll see men who say, I've been taking over uh, the finances for a while. And I help her get dressed each Mm -hmm. day and make sure she's dressed appropriately. And again, I don't want it to make it sound like it's right or wrong. I just see a differences in male and female. But once it's time to bathe someone Mm. or assist with toileting, Mm -hmm. I usually see husbands or especially grown sons saying, I absolutely will not, cannot take my mother to the bathroom. I will not see my mother without her clothes on. And sometimes they see it as a... being respectful to their mother. She Uh would never want that. She would never have wanted that to happen. 
So I usually see men reach out for external help faster Mm -hmm. than women. And we joke about it, but I've had multiple times that someone will call me and say, hey, I golf at least three days a week. (laughs) You know, (laughs) to where, and again, not male bashing because there's been some, I mean, these husbands, if they're taking three days a week, that's fabulous because they have the rest of the days of the week and the rest of the hours that they're providing good care, right? Exactly. And I'll see women wait longer and sacrifice their own mental, emotional, physical health Mm -hmm. and maybe not recognize because, and I'm, you know, like I said, I speak from both sides of the table, what I've witnessed and what I've done. It was very hard for me to say we have to have someone help with my dad. I adored him. I just, you know, I thought I can do it. My mother physically can't turn him, but I can, you know, so it's a, you definitely see a difference in the male and female approach. On the flip side of it though, if you had had some plans in place, would it have been Mm -hmm. easier emotionally to have called for some extra care earlier on? If we had discussed it in advance and he had directed us what he wanted what he wanted, uh, that would have helped. And it was a good learning situation because uh, he died when he was only 78. Mm -hmm. So we were able to talk to my mom and make uh, more plans as a family to where we're at different points in our life now, and my mother will be 89 soon, and she has caregivers five days a week, mm-hmm. uh, paid caregivers five days a week. Mm-hmm. And then her children and her grandchildren still supplement and yes. provide provide care and do a lot of hands-on and meal preparation. But I can be at work during the day and focus on work right. because I know she's taken care of. And how's that looking? Is it working well? Well, we're about two years in, uh-huh. and she and I always want to be very honest with people. It's a... I never, I do assessments for our company and I never want to minimize the decision to allow someone to come into your home to care for this person that you cherish. And especially if the person has memory loss and you're like, could they tell me if something wasn't going well? Would I, you know, I think I've equated it before to having a babysitter for the first time. Right. It's like, why would I trust this person with my child? I don't care how many references. Exactly. My child isn't old enough to tell me what happened. It's a big deal right. to uh, allow someone to come in. So as a company, we take all the steps we can take with background checks and drug testing and personal references. But we also tell families that it's like, we're a large company. You've got to have somebody that you feel comfortable coming into your home. And it can take a little while to get that right team in place. So when we finally found a match, and it wasn't always the caregiver, it was my mom, right? So it's like, found that match that she has a caregiver now that's been pretty much her consistent caregiver for the whole two years. And she will, and my mom has some, her, the way she puts it is my forgetter works well. (laughs) That's her positive spin. But I came in one afternoon and uh, she wasn't ready to visit with me. She still had a few things she wanted to Sarah to read to her and do with her. Wow. And, uh. When I said, well, I'll walk outside and finish a few work things. And when I came back in, she was telling her caregiver that she loved her. And the caregiver was, they were hugging each other by for the day. And I was like, oh. So wonderful. Yeah. So once you get that groove and you have the right fit, 
initially things can be bumpy, right? Right. Uh, but once you have that right fit, you start realizing it's like, oh, I really can focus on my job and know that there's someone there that knows exactly how she likes things and how to do things. Okay. Yeah, so it's good self-care for me as well as her. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. We've been talking with Kathy Johnson Warner uh, with Senior Helpers today. I'm Jonathan Scott with Keystone Financial Resources. Thanks to everybody out there who's been listening. Thank you again, Kathy, for all you do and your services. Um, And just uh, let us know uh, if you have any questions out there. If you're listening, you can always call us at Keystone Financial Resources at 615-661-9554. And as always, uh, we'd love to talk to you. You can reach us at keystonefinancialresources.com as well. So look forward to hearing from you on the future podcasts. And Kathy, thank you again. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Her Time to Retire with Glenn Price and Jonathan Scott. Glenn and Jonathan would love to talk to you and answer any of your retirement questions. All listeners can take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation with Glenn and Jonathan, whether via a phone call, Zoom meeting, or in person. You can schedule your consultation by calling 615-661-9554 or by visiting our website at www.keystonefinancialresources.com. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed by Keystone Financial Resources and guests on this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of this station. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, or BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Keystone Financial Resources are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents.